Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. So wonderful to be with you again today. And I'm looking out the window. It's a beautiful spring day here in Tennessee. The leaves are such a rich green. I love the awakening of spring, don't you? I love it when the Bradford pears first appear in all their white glory. And then the daffodils come out. And then beautiful pink blossoms. And and then we have the... um, the red buds here in Tennessee, oh, I love them. And then we have the dogwoods, and we have lots of dogwoods around, around our property, and they're just so beautiful. And now uh, all the blossoms have gone, and now we have this beautiful fullness of the green trees. And, of course, it's gardening time as well, and I'm a bit behind in my garden this year, I seem to have so many things going in the spring and I didn't get my garden in at the right time. But I'm working on it this month, month of May, and I hope to have it all in this week. I've already planted 107 tomato plants and I've planted my peppers and planted lots of other things, but I've still got some beds that are not filled yet, so I've got to finish them. I have 13 raised beds, big long raised beds, so I have a big garden and every season I look out at my garden that's waiting to be done and I think, how am I going to do it? Such a big job, not just planting, that's easy, it's getting the beds ready and getting all the stuff into the soil that we need to get in because really your vegetables are only as good as your soil. But gradually we've got it going and we're getting it in again and uh, I'm always so glad that I make the effort because then we can go out and harvest every day. It's so wonderful. But anyway, back to talking about your home and about motherhood because that's what this podcast is all about. It's about encouraging you as a wife and as a mother. And this encouragement is so needed in this hour in which we are living. I was just talking to the folks who were around our breakfast table this morning because we always have extra people with us. And I was sharing with them what it was like Uh, when I was growing up as a child in a little town in New Zealand and down the street where I lived, I can remember going off to school each day with my friends and we'd all walk to school. A few of the children would bike to school, but most of us walked. We walked over a mile and we all walked to school and often we'd walk back for lunch, although sometimes we'd take our cut lunch and then we'd walk home again. And most of the folks down our street were secular people. They weren't Christians. I think we were the only real um, committed Christians uh, in our street. But all the families had the same values, even though they were secular. 
they still had these Christian values that were still there in our, just in our culture. And all the mothers were at home. They were there just making their homes a wonderful place. They were there for their children when they got home from school. They were there to have a meal on the table as their husbands came home from all their various careers and jobs that they did in the township. And so it was a beautiful, lovely way to live. But I look back and see how different it is now, how quickly our culture has eroded. It would be very difficult to go into any town today and go down a street and find every mother in the home, every mother enjoying being in the home, happy with her children, happy to be in the home, happy to cook and just <clears throat> home make and always it was the normal thing. A woman, a mother a wife in the home would not even think of anything else but having a meal ready for her husband when he walked in the door. That was just number one thing. You just did that. You never thought anything of it. That was part of life. And now today, we, it, it's such a different story. Maybe you live in a street and perhaps you are the only one in your whole street that is home looking after your children. I can remember that when we moved to Australia from New, New Zealand, and uh, I remember the street we lived in. I was, well, we lived in two or three different streets um, <clears throat> in different homes at that time. But in, in all the streets that I lived in, I don't remember any uh, other Christian homes. I don't remember any other homes where the mother was at home. They would all get up each day and get into their business clothes and off they'd go and the cars would drive out <clears throat> with the mothers and with the children dropping them off here and there and the husbands and all the homes were empty except mine which was filled with children and filled with people and filled with those who we would ask into our home. It was a hub a hub where everything was happening and it was such an exciting place. But most of the ladies must have wondered, well, what's that lady doing in her home? They didn't understand what I was doing. They didn't even know the power of what I was doing. While they were dropping off their children at daycares and school, my children were in my home and I was raising them and preparing them for their destiny. And I was fulfilling the most greatest career that any woman could have. And I want to encourage you again today. I would like to read you something that I read in a book I was reading recently. And it, it just shows you just the, the agenda of what is happening in our society and what you are facing today as a wife and a mother. Now, this happened... 50 years ago, and this person writes and says it was actually 1969, and my friend took me to a meeting uh, at her friend's place uh, in Greenwich Village. At a conscientious raising, an idea imported from Mayo's China, 12 women gathered at a large table. They opened with a type of litany from the Catholic Church, 
But this time it was Marxism and the Church of the Left. And in a moment I'm going to read to you how they started off that meeting. Very interesting that 12 women gathered around that table. And from that table you will see as I read how they have changed the world, how they have made it what it is today. And then I think back further, I think back to the disciples. And uh, actually most of the disciples were rather young when Jesus called them. Maybe I'll do a podcast on that one day and tell you all the reasons why I believe that most of them were even teenagers when Jesus called them to be his students and to be his disciples. But after the resurrection, it tells us in Acts that these young men, they were the people who turned the world upside down. Such was their impact. But here we see 12 women who've also impacted the world in a negative way. So the meeting started. Why are we here today? The chairwoman asked. To make revolution, they answered. What kind of revolution, she replied. The cultural revolution, they chanted. And how do we make cultural revolution, she demanded. By destroying the American family, they answered. And how do we destroy the family, she came back. By destroying the American patriarch, they cried exuberantly. And how do we destroy the American patriarch, she probed. By taking away his power. How do we do that? By destroying monogamy, they shouted. How can we destroy monogamy? By promoting promiscuity, eroticism, prostitution, abortion, and homosexuality, they resounded. The book says such antics might seem insignificant, except for the fact that these women achieved all of their goals and now we are facing a society where the patriarch is demeaned and where they have sought to destroy the American family starting with the patriarch starting with the man it's an interesting thing that whenever I have been asked to do an interview on TV or with some talk show especially secular there's one of the questions they never fail to ask, and that is, what about patriarchy? And they have this concept of the man who is lording over his family, and and they're all little wee servants who bow to his every word. And this is the the concept that they have promoted, and and we now live in a society where, of course, we still have so many great men, men of courage and strength, but there are so many today who are not. They are wimps. They have been just put down by the feminist agenda, and there are so many men today who will eat. They go along with it. They are scared to stand against it. They go along with it. They go along with this women's standing up for their rights, and, and it's ridiculous. They're no longer men. Goodness me, God didn't create um, just two males or two females. He created a male 
and a female. And he wants men to be men and to stand up and to be who they are, the loving protectors and providers of their home. Patriarchy is a beautiful thing in God. In God, it's a safety to the nation and a protection to society. And then they've sought to demean motherhood and take the mother out of the home. Two things that they cannot stand. One is motherhood and one is virginity. They seek to to rob every young person of their beautiful, God-given, pure virginity. And then they want to rob her of motherhood, which is the the greatest career God has given to her. Because, dear precious mother, you were created in the image of God to reveal his nurturing heart. This is who you are as a woman. And God created you to to love being in your home. Now, if you are finding it, you just, oh... You, you just somehow, you, you just don't feel really happy. You, you love your children, but, oh, you feel pulled in all these other directions and you're not really happy in your home. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you the bottom line. <clears throat> you are deceived. You have been victimized by our feminist, socialist, humanist agenda that wants to woo you out of the home and out of the role that God intends for you. And because you have all this pressure on you and and all this victimization and all this um, propaganda, your mind is filled with that and you think, oh, I'm just wasting away here in my home. No, that's not the truth. We have to know the truth. And I'm here to encourage you in the truth. Because the truth sets you free. And when you really get down to bed rocks and get rid of all this agenda and all this stuff that has been poured into you, and you get down to who you really are, you find there's nothing you love more than being in your home. Nothing you love more than being a mother with these precious children around you. This is the true life. Now, I'd better get on to where we're up to, hadn't I? We are still talking about how do we change the world. Oh, this is an amazing subject. And as I've been talking with you for a few weeks, we have been finding that even at home, even as a mother, we have the power to change the world. And the... uh, point that we are still talking about is point number 15 and that's uh, that in our homes we are going to serve the Lord willingly not just oh well here I am as a mother in my home having to work in my home well I better just do it and it's a duty no not doing is it as a duty but doing it as a delight not just doing it because we have to get the job done because nobody else will do it for us, but doing it willingly. And we've been looking at um, all the different ways that God wants us, how he wants us to work in our homes. So uh, the last one we talked about was number 10 in the fear of the Lord. Today, 
number 11. It says that when we work, how do we work? Well, if your husband, wherever he's working, he has to have the same attitudes. We are working in our home, so these are the attitudes that we are to have. And uh, each one of these attitudes that I'm giving you are all in the Word of God and show us the attitudes that he wants us to have toward working. And we have, let's see, how many do we have? Yes, 25 different attitudes that are mentioned in the Bible of how God wants us to work. And uh, so it's so good to see them. Oh, the Word of God is so wonderful, ladies. It doesn't leave anything out. It's all there for us. It shows us how God wants us to work. He gives us all the adjectives. They're all there. And so it's good for us to know them, isn't it? And uh, we're up to number 11. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. This scripture relates to every part of our lives, no matter where we are or what we're doing or what we're saying. It relates to our husbands. But it relates to us in our homes because... We've got to relate it to where we are. And when I read the Word of God, I read it as though God is speaking to me personally. He's speaking to me as who I am and who He has called me to be. He has called me, commissioned me to be a mother. So I read it as a mother. And I read it personally. And so he says to me, Nancy, whatever you do, whatever word you speak, whatever action you do, I want you to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so this is for all of us. And I have to confess, dear ladies, Oh, goodness me, I'm not always perfect at doing this. I'm sure there's many things I don't do in the name of the Lord Jesus. But that's why I need reminding, and that's why I need to remind you. We all need reminding, don't we? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get into that habit? We wake up every morning and we think, oh, and not only think, but we pray, Lord Jesus, please help me today to say every word in your name, that every word I say to my children, every word I say to my husband, I can say in the name of Jesus. I can put the name of Jesus to it. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that bring such a difference to our homes? And every action, everything we do and the way we do it in our homes. And even when we're cooking meals and scrubbing floors and cleaning up messes after children and after cats and after this and after that and everybody who doesn't clean up after themselves. But we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it changes everything. Number 12. God wants us 
to work joyfully. He wants us to, to do everything that we do, whatever it is. Great things, little things, mundane things, happy things. But to do all of them joyfully. Deuteronomy 28. You can read the passage again in 45 to 47. But this is the passage in the Bible. It's the Deuteronomy 28 passage, which talks about all the blessings that will come upon us if we are obedient to the Lord and to his commandments. I love those first few scriptures in Deuteronomy 28, but then it goes on to all the curses that will happen if we are disobedient to God's ways. And sadly, there are a lot more curses than there are blessings. And uh, I don't like reading them so much. But it says here, all these curses shall come upon you because you do not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. And so we are meant to serve the Lord joyfully. We're meant to work joyfully. And ladies, when we can get a hold of this, not only changes our attitude, but it changes the attitude of our children. Do you find it hard to get your children to work? Do they groan and complain? And oh, it, it's just it's just terrible trying to get them to be happy doing their chores. Well, my lovely darling ladies, have they been watching your attitude? Because if they see that it's joy for you to work and that you do it with just joyfulness and, and uh, you know, you're not complaining about it all. Well, they're going to catch on to that too. So let's have a look at a few more scriptures here. Oh, yes, I love Psalm 113 verse 9 where it says, He makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Now, it's interesting that the adjective, that the most prominent adjective that is related to motherhood is joy. And God says here, He wants to make a mother, a joyful mother. Now, this word joyful is an amazing word. It's the Hebrew word semiak, and it means to be full of glee, to be merry-hearted. It's exactly the same word that is used in Proverbs 16, verse 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Isn't that good, ladies? If we are merry and joyful in our hearts, it will be seen on our faces. Yes, we show off who we are, don't we? There's a scripture in Isaiah that says, The show of their countenance doth witness against them. And our face shows what we are on the inside. If our eyes are bright and our mouth is smiling and we have a 
happy disposition on our face, well, everyone knows that we have a merry heart. And yet, I see so many women, so many mothers, who their faces look, oh, I, I don't even like looking at them, not because they're uh, not beautiful, but because they look so boring and so frowning and so down in the mouth and Oh, you get depression looking at them. I don't know how their children survive if they look at this mother all day long and she's got this sour face on her and it's all down in the mouth and frowning. I mean, help. Did you know our children actually grow into our likeness? I love that scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where it talks about how are we beholding, um, beholding the Lord? We're changed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And as we spend time in the presence of the Lord, as we spend time in his word, as we look to him throughout the day instead of sighing and looking at all our problems and what we've got to do but we get into that habit of looking to Jesus we will grow into his likeness and his glory will be upon us and we will grow from glory to glory and it's the same with our little children they look at us and if they see we have a happy face they see us smiling well they're going to get that same kind of face if they see us frowning, well, you're going to have frowning, complaining children too. Proverbs seventeen twenty two: A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It's health. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. A merry heart with a happy face and a smile on your face, it brings health not only to you, but to your children. I believe, mothers, we bring health to our homes. We bring health to our children. Have you noticed that in some families there is such a lot of sickness? I think that if we have a negative attitude and we're always talking about sickness and we're, you know, always talking negative things and we're down in the mouth and we've got a frown and we're always sighing, these are negative things and, and they bring it into the atmosphere of our home and they affect our children. The Bible is true. Let's get it, ladies. We read it and we just gloss over it. But what does it say? A merry heart does good like a medicine. The best medicine for your children is for your children to see you with a happy face, joyful, smiling, doing all the things you have to do with joy. And they're seeing it. And this affects not only their souls and their spirits, but their bodies. I believe you can have health in your children as you have happiness in your home. Now, you may think that I'm a little weird, but as we raised our children, 
we didn't even have a doctor. I, I never actually had a family doctor the whole time we raised our children. Now, I do admit we often went to the emergency section at the hospital because children would break a bone or cut their leg or they'd do this or they'd do that and I'd have to go and get them stitches and get this kind of thing. That's just part of children growing up and boys especially. For goodness sake, they were always doing something to them. They were so adventurous. And of course, there were times when the children were sick, yes, but we didn't go running off to the doctor and uh, we were always able to just minister to them. Oh, another thing. The other day, someone was here and they said, oh, do you, do you have a, a thermometer? I need one for my child. And uh, I said, sorry, I don't have one. Well, forgive me, ladies, because I've never owned a thermometer. Can you believe it? Well, how did we survive? Well, I raised all our six children and then we adopted four more and I, I never had the thermometer. Oh yes, I know when there were times when our children had temperatures and I could just about tell. I could tell when they were normal temperature. I could tell when they were about 100. I could tell when there were times when, yes, they got up to 103 or more and wow, we had to look after them. And uh, But you know, we... You learn how to bring that temperature down and, and you can feel it. Sometimes we get so used to having to use other things that we forget how to actually discern and feel ourselves. You know, we it's like our society today, isn't it? I mean, I used to know all my uh, family's numbers. I mean, and there's so many of them. I'd always remember them. All the numbers of my family and children and grandchildren and friends. But do you know, now I, can, I don't even know whether I know a number. I know my husband's number and that's about all because I use my iPhone and I say, call so-and-so, call so-and-so. And isn't it disgusting? So lazy that my brain is no longer remembering numbers. And now we use GPS. And although I have to confess, my husband, oh, he just still, he's just so old school. I mean, he'll be 80 next year. And he's still old school and he never trusts the GPS. And I have it going and it says, go here. No, I don't believe that. And uh, he just thinks he knows best. But you know, he would always get out the map and check it all out. Well, now we don't even know how to read maps because we just listen to GBS. And I think it's a bit like even with caring for our children. We've lost the art of being even aware and understanding and even knowing, yes, this is serious. Or, yes, no, that's fine. That's normal. We can just cope with that. And... Um, I believe we need to be able to do that as mothers. But anyway, I haven't finished about this joyful mother yet and it's time to stop. So we'll get on to it next session, okay? Dear Father, we thank you so much for your word. It, there's nothing you leave out of your word. You show us everything in the way you want us to live. And we thank you for this. And I pray for every lovely mother listening today, grandmothers, teens, children. I pray your blessing on each one of them. 
I pray, Father, that you will fill them with your joy. I pray, O oh God, that you will expose all the lies and deceptions uh, that have come to them through our society and the education system and, and our media and just everything that's around us. And even in the church, Lord, we just get this um, all this brainwashing. But Lord, we do not want to be brainwashed by society. We want to be brainwashed by your word, that your word will fill us. Your word will change us. Your word will become flesh and blood in us. And this is how we will live. I ask this for everyone listening today in the name of Jesus. Amen. In 